Hello, welcome to Mark Langley's Horsemanship Podcast, a podcast helping people to understand their horses better, to provide solutions in a calm, connected way. I'm Jenny Barnes. And I'm Mark Langley. I'm just going to read a comment to you that's come in from one of our listeners. Thank you so much, Mark Langley, for answering my questions in the last Q&A. All your videos and your answer sessions are incredibly helpful. I'm so grateful for your gentleness, kindness, knowledge and experience. The membership here is quite an amazing gift. That's from Taser. So thank you, Taser. It's lovely to hear that feedback from you. And uh, let's tap in to that knowledge right now and get stuck into these questions. Your questions today are going to be about anxious horses and how we can build trust with them. First question for you is from Emmeline, one of our online members. She's got a really interesting question. She says she has an 18-year-old unbroken Whaler broodmare with a six-month-old filly at foot. She's able to walk up to her in the paddock and let her have a sniff and pat her on the neck, mostly on one particular side. But she's unable to catch her and go anywhere near her with the halter. So sometimes she can lure her into the stable with food. But if the filly's anxious, then their anxiety can increase to the point where they've attempted to jump the railing. She hasn't caught her since that particular incident, and she's worried the filly will inherit the mother's level of anxiety. Should she wait until the filly has been weaned, or should she keep working and walking up to in the paddock with the halter where she feels more confident? Um, it is it's certainly a tough one. Uh, Emmeline, with that, with that, you know, with the, with the, with the, when you've got a really sort of, um, uh, you know, sort of wild mother, and and then and then um, having the affiliate foot will take take that fear of people, you know, herself. She'll take that fear of people on. Uh, so so yes, you, you're correct by going out in the paddock um, to make some contact, you know, touch and go, walk away, just show that you know threat um i think trying to process uh to 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 proceed and catch catch the mare whilst the filly's on uh around her would would be a little dangerous in the sense of um stressing the mother and the filly out together too much would would uh, certainly um put a stronger fear in 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 the filly so um so keep keep doing what you're doing by going out in the paddock cuz um and just before i go further with that there's probably a reason that the, the the mare's better out in the paddock is because um, it's it goes back to the principle is when the back door's open you're more confident. So in a paddock, when a horse uh, has got that freedom to to run away uh, and and room around them, that, then obviously there's the uh, possibility that that horse could be more curious and feel a little safer. So basically, with more room to escape, then you're going to get a, you know sometimes a stronger level of curiosity and interest. Um, just like much like people, as um, you know, once the back door closes behind you, then everything in front of you suddenly gets a bit scary. But then, if the back door's open and you can step back out again and then walk in slowly, then then obviously you're going to be more confident and uh, curious of the new environment that you're going into. So. Um, and that's where what's going to happen is when those those horses are in the um, in in confined spaces. That's when their their level of um, uh, flight and and uh, the fear is going to go up because they're not used to confined spaces and things like that. So yes, definitely. Like I said, continue with what you're doing out in the paddock because you're going to make some more headway out in the paddock. But there is a point that you're going to have to get both of those in the yards together. And while while the um, while the filly's at foot with her mum, 
it's best that you can do that while they're still together because then you're going to have a little filly on its own. And um, so while they're together, um, you you know, I don't know what your setup is at home, but something I would do, when, especially when I had like, you know, batches of sort of wild horses come through or really unhandled horses, um, it's best that they spend some days in and out of the yards, just in the yards, you know, feed, water and everything in the yards. There's enough space for them to walk around and things like that. But they get used to um, being in a sort of a, a more confined environment, a stable's way too sort of claustrophobic. But, um, you know, sort of you just have like cattle yards or whatever you can find there that the, that the horses can sort of, you know, mill around, walk around in and feed them hay. And don't put a lot of heat on them. Don't try and sort of go up with the holder. Don't do anything like that. Just go in, chuck them some hay, fill up the water, just check the cattle rails and walk around, look at the gates and just... You know, if there's a bit of interest, just stand and wait a bit. Let don't don't put any heat on them or any pressure. Let them get a bit curious, interested in you. Walk away, and just uh, you know, go in the yards to feed. Just stand around, not not put a lot of pressure on them, and then and then uh, and leave and and try and do that as much as you can. So you know, in one day, you don't have to go in there for a long time. You just got to go in for five minutes. Uh, as I say, check their water, check the gates are all closed right, and walk out and then if you see any interest and curiosity you might just wait there look over the fence just um get them used to having you around as as a non-threat um if you try and train on them too early when especially that mother's going to keep protecting that foal um so you be basically not as i say not putting a lot of heat on them you're just trying to sort of be amongst them uh and and, and you get in get out if you put too much on obviously i know what's going to happen they're going to crash into rails and try and jump jump fences and stuff like that so uh and and just spend some some time doing that and if you've got a little uh turnout paddock that doesn't have a lot of feed in it um they're going to be more interested in coming in for the hay and the water so the water's in the yards the hay's in the yards uh they got to come in for that for, for that good you know that stuff that they need and so you lock them up for a while you get in and out and you have a turnout paddock and they go in so that you don't you know so they've got a bit of respite from you know from that you know confined space so you know at night time they can turn out and come back in the yards in the daytime and you know just have a bit of a routine that they get used to coming being around people eating and, and that sort of thing and when you think um you know they're getting a little softer then you might be able to sort of do a bit of approach and retreat with them um and yeah start sort of making some headway then but just let them let them get used to that sort of stuff first so that that point though that she raised with that anxiety could that anxiety be passed on to her foal what can you just comment on that yeah basically uh monkey see monkey do so uh you know sometimes i've, I've we've, we've, we you know we've had horses here that we've sort of had a wary mother but a curious foal and but the mother is, is sort of only away over there she doesn't just t- you know always take them off but when you've got a very flighty mother and that and that uh, that that mother sort of sees a human and starts to crash around the yards and stuff like that. Then the, that intense fear gets put into the foal as well. So then they see us as the same threat as as the mother does. I mean, oftentimes you can still have a uh, you know even if the foal had a little bit of worry in it when they're weaned, you can sort of you know get going when they're young and still make some headway. But the less traumatic experiences or the less um, things that happen around people that that foal is exposed to the better 
So, you know, that's why you wouldn't be trying to catch the mum and letting the mum stress and then the foal stresses and then, yeah, definitely the, the foal's just going to take on all that information and, and then will be the big red flag every time we're near it. So really all she can do is do little steps to, to try and help the mum feel less anxious in yeah. the enclosed spaces, yeah. but really the main work is going to be with the foal yeah. when it's weaned then. Is that right? Yep, yep. So, so yeah, so basically by the sounds of it, it's the um, enclosed spaces that's causing more trouble. So don't worry about too much handling or anything like that. Just get the horses used to being in tighter spaces and, and going in and out and just, you know, working around sort of and understanding the boundaries of the fences a bit more in the cattle yards or whatever you've got. Um, and then once once they're comfortable with that, then that's that's not such a like they're not just jumping in the cold water every time you put them in the yards. So so basically they get used to and custom to that environment. When they're more accustomed to that environment, uh, then when you're going in and out, it's going to be a lot uh, easier for them to sort of deal with. Um, but if you put them in a small space and then try and do something with them straight away, it's just way too early because they're still dealing with the confined spaces. So it's just, um, you know, that it's just a, a, an overload for them. Compounding. Yes. Yeah, okay. So, all right, well, good luck with that, Emily. I hope that helps for you. I know it's a very difficult situation. Yeah, it's just going to be difficult for you to know what to do. You can't really win. But when you get to that weaning stage, and then, of course, you can really try and focus on that foal, um, there are, um, they have, Mark has raised sort of suggestions with weaning. So if you do a quick search on the membership about weaning um, information, you're going to come up with quite a few answers on that for you, which you may find helpful. Okay, we'll move on to um, the next uh, question. Before, it's sorry, from, Jenny, just before you oh, move, sorry. sorry, yes. Yeah, sorry, just to interrupt you, just to move on. There's one thing I probably didn't say, but something I had a lot of success with, with the really wild, touchy sort of horses is um, once, once they get a little curious before I touch them and stuff like that I would tend to just get a really really long stick like a really light cane or something that's really long and you can you know you can still stand at a distance and put some sort of contact on them and it's actually doesn't you know they start to recognize after a while that the, the threat of the person's bubbles far away but they get touched by something that's controlled by the person sometimes that's you know a good way to start that sort of handling is just you know, touch and go with a really long stick so you're still at a distance with them and you can touch the foal and walk away, touch the mum, walk away, things like that. But that's later down when they're, when they're sort of used to going out of the yards. Right, okay, so first tackle the yards. All right, so the next question is from Suzanne. Suzanne's over in Finland and she's had um, a wonderful uh, virtual lesson with Mark over here and building on trust with her horse. And she's been working on that for the last four months mark just got her to do some specific things and what she's been working on has working away little by little she's now got um you know she's progressed and she's really happy where she is and um, she says we now have trust and she started riding the same path following another horse so this is a horse who she was having to do a lot of work on the ground well now she's on the saddle and out riding out with another horse she doesn't put a lot of pressure on her gelding now and she's very determined they will succeed and her horse has been great she rides for about five minutes and then she jumps off and walks the rest of the way. She likes to quit when everything is going great. But she says in between the days that she rides, she likes to, to just walk and not do the riding just to see if she's done any damage. So, so Suzanne's in a point of view where she's really looking at everything that she's doing and she's really trying to, um, you know, determine if there's even the slightest sort of a change in there. She's really building on what was, um, she was in a situation where she, there was a fair bit of damage that was happening to a horse and she's trying to completely eliminate that now and start off on a new foot. 
So what she's found, though, is she was surprised to learn that the damage in the trust had happened. And, uh, you know, because he obviously got a little bit nervous riding with this other horse. So she'd like to know, how does she now go about riding away, still building trust instead of taking it away? She's riding in a halter and she has contact with the reins, but she feels that she's a horse seems more proud and is not very tense. So the horse is coping to an extent. Okay, so. I guess uh, remembering the, the lesson that we had, I remember the horse was had a hard eye towards people and not really connected and it's sort of, there's a bit of history in there where the horse is kind of, you know, um, you know, it was kind of shutting shutting you out a little bit. So um, it's good that you've made a good connection and the horse trusts you more and there's a, a softness in the horse that's coming through with you. Uh, but in the long term, the hardest thing... <laughs> You, you can call, you can use pressure to create a um, a brace in a horse and a worry in a horse and get a horse not to trust people, but you can also use pressure to get a horse to soften. Um, so I'm 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 thinking by what you're saying is there's a point now that you have to up the understanding of your horse and create a little bit more pressure in the learning. Um, I, I I think if you if you work too long on just relying on, I hope my horse feels good and all the time and um, working under under a certain level, then sometimes you may be able, uh, you may not put enough pressure on to get a kind of weird change in a horse, like a, a really good change of thought or something like that. So though you're sort of going to be sort of idling along and slowly improving when the horse gets a little stressed or discomfort, then um, you may not have enough things established to say, let go of that here's an opportunity to do something different or think something different. So, you know, and I've met a lot of horses that people have sort of got a bit of a connection with, everything's going kind of good, but then all of a sudden they're sort of like, my horse gets stressed or it gets anxious and it won't let go of it and stuff like that. So connection's really good, but connection's not everything. Um, we we have to have the horse, uh, we have to empower our horses to think through situations a little bit better. So, what, I, what I'm thinking is you have to look, look at all the things that you're doing with your horse before you ride out uh, and things like that and how well it's doing them. Uh, you know, is the horse really soft when it backs up? Is it is it kind of like um, letting go of a forward thought? Is it just or is it just kind of backing up when I squeeze it with my legs? Is it is it is it walking forward? Is it comfortable with my legs or is it just kind of wandering along sort of, you know, half thinking about the legs but half not uh, when I ask when I use my legs? Um so, you know, is it thinking left? Is it thinking right in the reins? If I take the reins a little faster and do a faster turn, um, is it okay with that extra rein speed? Um, can I wake it up a little bit, trot it up a little bit, a little faster? Can I slow it down a little faster? Things like that, I think you've got to start to look at now that the horse is comfortable with pressure and comfortable with more stimulant because what happens when you're out on a ride with other horses, things go on, then there's more stimulant that the horse has to cope with. Uh, and if if the things that you're doing with your horse are still not quite right or the horse doesn't quite understand them, then, then it becomes like an overload of pressure and then they can start to resent us. Uh, resent pressure because they they didn't quite understand it and it made them worried and then and then we can't help them. So I think um, you're on the right path, but by the sounds of it, you need to sort of step up a little bit with your horse and start to sort of um, you know 
confidence is important, but confidence comes through a horse um, dealing with a little bit of conflict and softening. So if there's a little bit of a conflict, you can help the horse through a good idea, not just through sort of going, oh, woo, steady, let's connect and things like that. So so basically, um, you know, if a horse sees something that worries it on a trail, you can pick up a, a left rein and the horse stops thinking that and thinks left and lets go of that thought, then it feels good. So then the rein made it feel good. So, so, yeah, I'd go back and address everything that you're doing, the, the basic things like the leg aids, the rein aids, all that sort of stuff, and and see if the horse is really comfortable with that because it might like the walks that you do and the trust building walks, but then it might still be not so sure about all the things that you're asking it with the reins and stuff under saddle. So then it's going to be like it's going to get resentful of the riding because it's left a bit stressed and it's going to get more confidence with the other horses. So the other horses are going to carry its confidence. Um, and then... Um, all you can rely on is sort of stopping and, and sort of connecting with it. So, so yeah, do do a lot of the, you know, go through all the things that you're doing with your horse currently or the things that you're using, the tools, work out how well they work, how responsive they are if you, if you change it. Because I have a feeling as well, like it's very common that people get in a bit of a rhythm and they stay in the same rhythm and the horse gets used to that rhythm. And then when we're out on a trail ride, that rhythm changes the way we pick up the reins, the way we ride, everything's a bit different. So then, then the horse goes, hang on a minute, I'm just used to this steady, uh, nice asking. And uh, when I try a little bit, the person rewards me all the time and, and, and now the rhythm's changed. So, so yeah, I think it's time to step up a little bit, help the horse through with pressure a bit more, see what you get from that. Um, but pressure has to obviously make a change of thought in the horse. It can't just kind of move away from pressure because I think that horse is resentful in the past because it only moved away from pressure. The pressure didn't actually get it to let go of something. It just, you know, thought about the pressure and thought, how can I remove myself from the pressure? So, yeah, I know that's probably going to confuse you a little bit, but um, I think at the sta this stage um, it's okay to put a little bit of pressure on as long as you can get the horse to soften and be okay with that pressure. It's when you don't put enough on and then they're under pressure and there's a bit of confusion out on rides that they'll start to, to worry. Wonderful. Okay, the next question is from Lynn and it's about riding as well. Uh, she has a quiet, gentle horse who has more woe than go but gets reactionary very quickly in unfamiliar locations. Her question is, what part of his education is he missing? So she'd just like to know what else she could be working on to help with this. Yeah, most of the horses that I come across at clinics that have more woe to go, more woe than go, don't cope with pressure very well. So they're kind of subdued. Uh, in, in Yeah, it's like a person that's very quiet, sits in the corner, then someone sort of, you know, stresses them enough and they explode and shout. Um, you know, you internalise a little bit. So when you internalise, your, your, your anxiety is staying in there and you just go quiet and, and you don't make a lot of big decisions and, and the horses do that a little bit they you get a horse that you know like you, I feel sorry for some of those sort of subdued sort of passive sort of horses because a lot of times you know I've heard that many people come to clinics said oh the, the person who trained it or the horse breaker said you know that horse needs spurs because it's lazy and I'm like I've heard that so many times mm. and all all I've seen as a horse is just subdued and very cautious and uh, doesn't make big decisions like the leader horse that goes, yeah, I can cross that paddock fine. I'm fine. I, I, I can, I can, um, I can cope through these situations and lead. Where you get the other horse that goes, I'm just happy if someone else led led me across the paddock because um, I don't really want to make that big decision myself. And there's, you know, there's monsters out there that might get me. 
So what I try and imagine to people, I say, like, I mean, you know, I, I set up a um, an imaginary sort of thing for people where I say, okay, so it'd be different sort of, you know, um, think of it like this, like, I guess if people were trailing in the military or something like that, you learn how to shoot straight, say, say if you're sort of, you learn how to shoot first, you learn how to clean your rifle, you learn how to load it, you do everything like that. And then you learn, yeah, you know, you're learning how to shoot and you start to shoot well, you start to shoot accurate. And then, but by the end of a certain amount of training, you're going to be shooting accurately with, you know, people shooting back at you and lots of shouting and lots of noise and everything's in your face, like very intense. And you still got to uh, maintain a certain level of composure and still shoot just as accurately you were shooting when you're in the quiet, uh, you know, on the rifle range with, with, your, with your earmuffs on. So, you know, some people can shoot very accurately when it's everything's quiet, but put under pressure, then everything goes out the window. So what we have to do is with those horses, they're very, they, 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 they're walking out into a place that, you know, you say, well, that's only a horse float over there. That's only this over there. That's only that over there. Uh, but the horse is going, oh, crikey, that's, I don't know. I'm not, I'm scared of that. I'm scared of this. I'm scared of that. So they just kind of go really slow and they just kind of hide away a little bit. So then when all of a sudden there's a bit of action, a bit of something happening, then they sort of come out of that and they're kind of a little bit panicked and they don't know how to, how to, as I say, shoot straight. So they, they don't know how to, uh, you know, because all that internalising things and kind of just kind of closing down and just kind of crawling along quietly, hiding away a little bit, sort of all comes out in one hit. So that's why they get over, they, they, they go from sort of like a very kind of quiet seeming sort of space to uh, quite explosive Whereas the horses that are kind of up there in the green zone, like flicking ears, checking things out, walking around, they, they're already up there in that sort of state and they're aware and they sort of, they, 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 they also what they're doing is as the anxiety is going in, they're tipping it out because they're constantly making decisions, thinking about things, bowing around, a, bowing around a puddle that they sort of weren't sure about. So they're constantly uh, doing things to uh, regulate their anxiety by, because their mind's free and their body's free. Um, and some of the subdued horses, if you look back, some of them have come to me at clinics. They've been sort of, you know, desensitized, handled, and they're, they're, some of them are subdued through obedience and they think they're not allowed to do anything. So they, they, they go, well, I'm, I don't want to make a mistake, so I'm just going to sort of go do the right thing. And then all of a sudden they're under too much pressure and then they just go, oh, I can't cope. Um, so there's a lot of um, sub, subdued obedient horses that, um, yeah, they just, you know, oh, if, I, if I move, I'm, I'm going to get in trouble. So I'm going to stand still while you saddle me. But then when you can me, I buck uh, when, when I haven't been saddled for six months because um, I was standing so still and I couldn't do anything when you saddled me that um, I, I was just really, really tight and frightened. And then when I canned it with the saddle, I, I bucked. Whereas if, if, if that horse was allowed to express itself a little bit, it would shift a little bit as you're girthing it. It would sort of go, oh, I'm not sure about that. I'm a bit nervous and get a bit wriggly. And then you could help it uh, adjust to the saddle or things like that. So, so you, you, you know, so, so, you know, subdued through obedience is something as well. So it, usually you can tell, uh, you know, I used to get like wild horses come through and you had the really passive ones that are just kind of very quickly, they'd kind of stand really still and look like a really easy horse to shut down if you weren't careful. And then you get the ones that were sort of eyes on sticks and, and, and they were really hard to sort of get to that sort of nice kind of calm state because they were really thinking and really making big decisions and, um so what you can do with your horse uh 
to to um, help it when it rides out and stuff like that is actually it's probably very obedient and just goes where you point it until there's too much pressure. But if you just drop the reins and sit on it, it's probably going to go, oh, crikey, I'm just going to stop here. And you just wait on it for a little while. And I just like take them out in a paddock somewhere and I just give it a direction with the rein, let it walk a bit and I'll probably stop and then give it another direction until it starts to look around. And, and sometimes I, I disappear on the horses or I encourage people to disappear till the horse is going, well, the person's not really sitting up there. What, what, oh, what's over there? Or I wonder what's over there. And they start to kind of look around a bit and they start to, you know, forget about all us for a little bit. Not that they forget about us, it's just that we're not pushing them all the time. So we're not disrupting them from, or, or sorry, distracting them from thinking about all the things in their environment. So, so and I, and I just let them start to kind of flick in here and look and, and then I just, just turn them again off a new direction, see if they want to do anything. I won't even kick them along. I'll just wait a bit and, and then turn a bit until they start to, you know, sniff the ground or do anything that, that looks like they're trying to understand what's around them. And, and let them crawl out of their shell a little bit. And then they start to tell you what they're frightened of. And then they go, well, I was frightened of the ant's nest over there. Or I was, you know, and I'm not sure about that. And, and they start to communicate a little bit. But sometimes for those so many rides, you've almost got to just let them come out of their shell a little bit quietly and don't don't sort of say, oh, I'm going to ride over the hill and I'm going to go around the dam and I'm going to come back because you'll just kind of ride them like a motor transport or a motorbike or something like that. And they'll just be obedient and sort of do what you ask them to do. But um, they'll just go, oh, there's an ant's nest over there, but I've got to go this way. I'll just block it out for a bit. Uh, and and, and they, they'll just kind of be, you know, as I say, quite obedient, as I say, until a kangaroo hops out behind the ant, ant's nest and they, they spook. But um, so, yeah, I'd give them less guidance so they're a bit confused on what to do and see if they start to come out and search. Uh, and it might take a bit of a while. You might might have to have a bit of a patience pill. Um, every now and again, you can sort of ask them with legs, but don't steer and, and kick them at the same time. Just just let them do one or the other and get them feeling a little bit lost so they're not sure what to do. And they're, I don't know what to do. And then they start to go, well, maybe I'll do something for myself. And then they'll start to communicate and, and you know, do things. And then you can learn about them a bit more. And I, without giving you too many answers, that's, that's mostly what I do with those horses under saddle, especially um, to get them um, out of their shell a little bit. And then, and then when they're telling, so, so, you know, they're saying that, horses don't lie uh i i i'm not going to agree or disagree with that saying but i'm going to say horses have been taught and some of them haven't even been taught but they withhold the truth so just like the person that sits in the corner very quietly um they're withholding the truth they're not expressing their emotion they're just kind of hiding away you can tell just there's something wrong mm. But they're just coping. So, so what I say is, yeah, horses may not be able to lie, but they withhold the truth. And a lot of them that I've come across also have been told, to, been taught to withhold the truth. And because I've been taught to withhold the truth, it's very hard for most people to just go, oh, I know what the horse is struggling with right now because the horse is not showing them, it's not telling them, it's just looking anxious. But it's not saying, but I'm anxious about this. It's just going, I'm just, I'm just looking troubled. Oh, it's so fascinating. Just incredible. All right. Um, next question is for Megan, and it's um, it's a little bit slightly off topic, but uh, but I I believe it won't be when we get the answers from you. Megan says she's attended a couple of clinics now, both as a fence sitter and a participant. She's observed that for most horses, at some point during the clinic, you utilise backing up. I've been replaying this observation in my head, and come to the realisation that there is much value in requesting the backup. 
So what she's wanting to know, Mark, is she wants to just plug you on this one. She's thinking that you're getting them to use the backup quite a lot. So she's understanding that the horses are becoming present. It's eliminating, destinating. It's supporting pro proprioception. I've never come across that one, but that's body awareness. And it provides information on where the brace might be held in the body. Is she on the right track? Can you explain the value of your backup from your perspective? Yep. Well, you're on the money. Uh, certainly, all all the things <laughs> is, is all oh. the reasons why I do the backup. So you can you can be happy with your. Uh, uh, with, well with, done, with, Megan. With, with <laughs> Points to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, every, everything that you've sort of done, you know, especially the the awareness of the horse's body and feet and that, um, and spatial awareness. It's a, it's really good for that, you know. So they, you know, but if you look at horses, like I look at all the horses that struggle, you know. Um, one of the areas that they mostly struggle in is just being able to softly move backwards with confidence. And so, so you know, I use it for horses that um, push on people, for instance, and, and, and I, I don't run them backwards and say, I'm, I'm king of the universe and you respect me. I show them that there's an alternative by educating them that they can rock back. And some of those horses only pushed on people because every time they spooked, they push forward with their hindquarter and they shove on us. Uh, or they jump sideways or they rear up. And most of the horses that, you know, rear up and jump sideways and rush forward, you ask them to back up and they go, well, I didn't know that was available. Um, when I'm anxious, I do not do a withdrawal movement. So um, it's a super good thing for showing horses to withdraw from a situation instead of go straight to forward, up, sideways. Um, so it's not about them... You know, so when a horse gets anxious and they're pushing down, breathing down our neck or something like that, and we're walking them, if they can't withdraw and step back, then they're going to push us. And then we're going to blame them for being pushy, but they're not pushy. It's just that backwards was unavailable uh, in, in their right. mind when they're anxious. So you're giving them something. So, so in the empowering side of backing up, uh, I think it's a super empowering lesson. And I have heard someone say it disempowers a horse, but I, t I completely disagree with that because a horse that can back up softly is such an empowered horse. It goes into a horse float with confidence because it knows it can, it can come off softly. Like I said before in a, another question, um, you know, a horse that has the back door open is going to be more curious going into something that's a threat, okay? So if a horse is going into a straight load horse float and it's not very good at backing, it's think it's, 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 think it's going in there to die because it's going to trap itself in there. So... You know, in that respect, if a horse knows it can withdraw softly, then it's going to back out softly instead of suddenly get in there and just jump out of the float backwards. Because if you look at horses that jump out of horse floats, for instance, they jump out, but you ask them to back up soft and they're like, oh, I don't really know how to back up soft. I was bolting in reverse, but it was more of a leap than anything else. It was just a leap of faith outside. Um but you offer that horse a good backup and the next time you teach it to load, it, it might think about more unloading softer. So you'd never put a horse in a float if you haven't backed it. And I know in, in America, a lot of people use step-up floats and they turn them around and walk them off. But but in Australia and Europe, we use a lot of straight-load floats. And it's a must-have that the horse does not go in that float until you've got a reasonable backup on it because you're just setting it up for a trap. Um so, so basically, in that 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 you know, so being able to withdraw from a situation to get itself out of trouble. So, uh, for the lot of eye bracey horses, uh, what I, I work on eye brace a lot in at clinics and eye braces. When the horse does this, it freezes 
it rears at whatever. So when a horse sees something, if you if you trigger an eye brace in a horse, you put a flag up and go pop, and the horse will go like that. When it opens its eyes up, it goes, and you'll see the whole body freeze and get this like electric shock, and its head will move away, and its feet will just stick to the ground. Well, if I see any of that eye brace in a horse, I immediately go to work on uh, what was that proprio perception, uh, uh, body awareness, yes. spatial awareness, proprioception. Yeah, um, body awareness, spatial awareness. So I go around the horse with a flag and just say, hey, I'm just going to shake the flag here. And the horse goes, oh, I'm frozen. I can't move. I'm going to get frightened. I'm going to get aggressive. And then suddenly they just pop and run off. Well, you know that they need to be able to go, there's danger. I can just withdraw from danger softly. Even if I move half a foot, I've done something for myself to release my anxiety. Uh, so, so if you can get them to rock back away from danger, like so, if a snake's on the ground, a horse goes, "Oh, that's a snake! I'm just going to back out here." Um, it gets them so much softer in their mind because you're giving them a tool of uh, withdrawal without going to flight response. So, a horse that can back up out of a situation, it's a very good way for a horse to move away from danger without going to forward, which sometimes triggers a more faster flight response than, than withdrawing from a situation. So, that's why I do a lot of backing up in the sense of eye brace and things that spook horses, see if they can rock back and go, well, I can move away from that backwards if I like. And uh, so, a horse tied up to a rail or something like that can move a bit sideways or move a bit backwards, but it never quite freezes and pops because it's able to move its feet softly in every single direction. Um, and this is not to control it as an alpha, I'm going to move my horse in forward all these different directions so I can look like the boss. It's just to empower the horse around you know, dangers and boundaries and inside floats so they can move forwards and backwards softly and get their balance and, you know, not sit on the tail ramp. You know, so many horses sit on the tail ramp and they don't know how to step up. So, so yeah, it gets, gets them really thinking about their feet. And like you said um, in, in the question, um, basically you, you can identify a lot of brace in a horse by the way it backs up, you know, how jammed up it is in the chest, in the brace, in the base of the neck, all that sort of thing. Um, it's very good for uh, getting a horse to let go of a strong forward thought. So if you can pick up on two reins and the horse has got its ears pricked up over the horizon and you can say, let go of that thought. If that horse backs and moves backwards, if it's a back, if it's a, if it's a movement that it feels comfortable with, it's going to think backwards to do it. So you actually, the, the thoughts and the feet are going backwards. So, you know, I test horses to see how, how well they can let go of a forward thought in backwards. And then you do it so many times that as soon as you touch up on those reins, the horse prepares its thoughts to, for whatever you may ask it. And that could be backwards, it could be forwards. Um, but it lets go of a, strong, a forward thought to, to, to wait on what you're asking it. So um, you have to back a horse until it actually thinks backwards because some horses have learned to push backwards with their, with their thoughts forward. But they, you can tell by their body and their facial expression and their ears that they're, they're still carrying a lot of brace and their thoughts haven't come, come into the backup. So, um, yeah, but oh, I can't rate the back up high enough in the sense. And also preparing a horse for other lateral work, you know, like um, there was a horse, at a, um, like a dressage horse, uh, and, and I said, well, can you do it? Can you just show me your half pass across the arena? And she showed me the half pass across the arena. And I said, um, well, you're, you're having what most people have trouble with, and that's the hindquarter is like trailing out, out the back here and um, the shoulder's leaking out and the hindquarters like like a trailer back over here somewhere. Um, and 
you know, what are you doing now to get that hip to come up a little bit more and get that horse to balance up in that half um, in that half pass? And she said, well, I'm just putting my leg back and I'm pushing the hindquarter over. And I said, well, well, don't do that. Just go away for a minute. Go away for five minutes. And I said, just walk your horse in a walk and walk it into a backup, walk it into a backup, walk it into a backup until your horse stops pushing in the reins. And then she came back five minutes later and I said, okay, now do your half pass across the arena. And I said, but this time don't use your leg to push the hindquarter over. Just set up your reins, ask, ask for forward, and then just set your reins up to get that horse to move across the arena. The horse picked up its hindquarter nice, stepped up into the half pass and just floated across the arena. Uh, and she wow. was thinking, the hindquarter's leaking, I've got to put more leg on. And I said, yeah, but the horse is pushing and, and you've got to teach it to stop pushing on the reins. So, so by getting that horse to walk into that back up and not lean, then all of a sudden that hindquarter stepped up underneath and the horse just travelled across the arena. What she was doing by adding more leg was just adding more acceleration to a to a bracy out of balance horse, and then that was all that acceleration was doing was pushing out through the shoulder. So, you know, getting a horse aware of its body and teaching it not to push uh, also comes through the backup. And um, and I know, and I, I don't want to criticise dressage. I'm not going. I don't criticise disciplines, but there's a lot of people that sometimes come to me and and, and you know they I think they think that maybe if they do too much backing or turn on the hindquarters where the, where the hind feet are a little stiller, they're going to ruin their nice dressage pirouette. And I say, well, uh, once that horse can put its hind feet in a nice spot and be really comfortable where its hind feet are and things like that and know that they can move backwards, forwards, they can move those hind feet over, then they're really loose, then that pivot point is very soft. And, 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 and having a soft pivot point means the horse never gets stressed in any movement, even if it gets slightly out of balance. It's not braced up that it can't find its balance again. So horses are allowed to make a little mistake and then and and then regain confidence through finding their balance again. And they only do that by being able to be very confidently being able to move in every single direction softly. Um, so when a horse gets a little out of balance in a turn or gets a little distracted in a turn, um, you can always take a little more rein and say, it's okay, let go of that thought, come over here. And the horse goes, okay, and then it realigns itself softly. So... Um, so basically in like a pirouette or something like that, I say to someone, I say, well, if your horse can back up really nice and back up and do a turn on the hindquarter from a backup and things like that, then later on when you want a pirouette, you're going to ride that horse into a pirouette, not hold it back uh, in a pirouette because the horse is just pushing like a bulldozer. So, you know, later on you can call, you create a forward pirouette if you want, doesn't doesn't matter. But once that horse is comfortable at rocking back, then that that supporting rein that you need to use later on in certain advanced moves can sort of work to its true ability to get that horse to rock back, collect more, all that sort of stuff because of the the uh, the availability of easy reverse and confidence with movement in the feet. So I've gone off a bit off track there, but uh-huh. I just thought I'd sort of, you know, <laughs> why, it's, why it's so important. Um and, yes. and, you know, you've got to remember with a backup, it's a two-beat rhythm. It's it, it's like a, a walking rhythm of a trot. So the trot, sorry, it's 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 a two-beat rhythm. So a trot is a two-beat diagonal rhythm. So the front, left, right, hind in sequence, like a diagonal like that. Mm. So so basically, um, but it doesn't look like a trot because it's not bouncy. It just, it's just in a, in a flowy mm. sort of rhythm. So... And, and a lot of horses you see, they don't even know how to do a two-beat rhythm. So, so you know, you might back up thinking I've got a hind foot here, but it's not because the, the front is uh, is running late in the back up a lot because they're pushing off their front feet. 
So, you know, you, you've got to address that. And until that's right, then you don't have a good backup. And that's a lot that's a lot to take in there, Mark. If anyone's really interested in, in the backup and sort of perfecting it, of course, there are a ton of videos on the backup on the membership, which you can access, of course, with everything else. So, um, you know, from all of that extensive answer you've given us there, um, I hope that shed some light for you, Megan. But obviously, Mark, you're, you're helping horses to have a far more elastic sort of thought frame, giving them more options to open them that are open to them. But you're also encouraging them to to think more. And that's the sort of fascinating thing is you are shifting their mindset in, while you're doing all of these different exercises and yes. techniques. You know, there's a change that's happening with the horses and that ability to have a sort of an elastic uh, mindset, you know, you're sort of more open to things, you're less resistant I suppose it's going to lead us into the the answer for the next question, which is from Larissa. And it's about an off the track thoroughbred who's um, showing signs of being a bit aggressive and particular problems. But she's obviously anxious that this um, she doesn't want this to go any further. And this is, this will be the last question for this session. But I, I think um, people will be interested in the answer to this one. Um, so Lewis's off the track thoroughbred is, is currently displaying threatening behaviour towards others with for no particular reason other than perhaps lacking trust or perhaps they're getting in his way. So I'm guessing this is towards other horses, not necessarily people because it is happening in the paddock. Um, but she'd like to know how to respond um, to him so that, you know, this doesn't escalate any further. Uh, the other thing that he's doing is that um, when the farrier comes, he will he won't sort of allow the farrier to hold one of his hind feet up. He's been checked um, extensively many times. There's nothing wrong with him. Um, but it has led to him, his shoeing schedule being put out, shoes being pulled off. They just can't do it. So it's almost like there's, um, you know, he's sort of being a little bit difficult, a little bit stubborn and a little bit aggressive. So um, any any advice for her on this one? Yeah, um, heaps of advice. <laughs> so <laughs> We'll have to keep when, this one a bit short. <laughs> When you were um, organising the questions, Jenny, I, I did say, oh, I know this is going to sound weird, but I'm going to put the, that thoroughbred, aggressive thoroughbred um, question with the backup and because um, this is going to be a, a, a fair link to your horse's, you know, emotional well-being in, in some of that, like the, um, the answer in the backup. But I just want to sort of say something first, is, uh, and I've, I've probably mentioned this before, but and I say this a lot at clinics now. Um, actually, I say a lot at clinics because I forgot what I said at the last one, so I just make something up new at the next one. But it's always the same information, but just said differently. Um, but um, if you grew up, if you had, like, you know, like the, the, the story of Tarzan, he grows up in the jungle and uh, obviously he takes on... Um, I guess he's, he's his host, the gorillas. He becomes a gorilla himself, I suppose. And if, if you had a baby that was raised by chickens and it pecked the ground and ate seeds off the ground, you can't sort of make fun of it because that's that's basically, you know, they've all they've grown up is around chickens. And, and I guess I guess what I, where I'm going with this is horses grow up around humans and their environment a lot. And um, so so though they're animals. Uh, and their horses, we think, oh, well, they're just going to act like horses all the time. And um, they don't necessarily do so well as horses sometimes, especially with other horses and things like that. And the subject came up at the last clinic, and this is more talking about aggression. It may fit in with your horse, it may not, but I just thought I'd bring the approach to the subject anyway. Um, and it was about aggression, and um, and I was talking about 
um, how that particular horse was trained. I said, this horse has been trained by people from when it was young. It, it was kind of probably half potty raised, who knows, like it, it, it wasn't really with a herd. And its training has been uh, you move away from pressure and you move away from me. So so basically I'm going to send you around on a circle. I'm going to move this, I'm going to move that. And the horse was quite troubled by that. But anyway, but but that's what the horse knew in training. It knew that's how how um, how people operate it. Um, you know, before it came to the clinic and I'm, I'm trying to say, no, we'll, we'll try and find another way to, to operate this horse. So I say, so when that horse goes out with other horses, what do you think it's going to do? Do you think it's going to act like a horse or do you think it's going to just go and use the tools that it's been taught by people, which is uh, I'm going to chase you guys away? Because I guess what they were saying is the horse was a bit more relentless than other horses and it constantly did it more than other horses and, and it was a bit unfair in the way it did it. And I said, well, yeah, but have a look at how it's been trained. It's been in the yard and the person pushes it and moves it away and then pushes it and moves it away, and that's what they do. So, as I say, if you grow up with chickens and you peck the ground, we can't expect you to do different. So that horse took what it learnt in training out into the herd because it never really grew up with a big enough herd to realise that actually I don't need to be an idiot like that. Things work a lot better without that, uh, that constant barrage, but that's all it learned around people. So... Um, so I, I like people to think about that when they sort of assess anger in horses and, and, and maybe look into the history. And if you look at a racehorse, you know, it's not like that. They, they might have been in a big stud where they they did, uh, you know, all the mares are together and they did have a certain time in a big group, but then they got weaned pretty young and then they got stabled and they, and they got, you know, people banging on them here and there and, you know, you know, all this stress in the barriers and racing and all this sort of stuff and, and all that anxiety, all that sort of stuff in them and the disempowerment and all that sort of stuff. It just all starts to come out, and with other horses, they just really don't know how to just softly go about their business. And it can take them some time to adjust, and sometimes just adjusting in a big mob, a good strong mob for a while is quite good, but obviously they, they start to get bossy and run the show, and they still have horse traits, and they still have these other traits in them, so they're not completely humanised. There's still horse traits in there, and they sort of sometimes want to control the mares and keep the geldings off, but they've got so much extra trauma in them that's mixed up with it, plus the humanisation and stuff. It, it gets a big... um. You know, it's, it's it's a bit tough on them, and, and 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 I think when we see aggression, it's very easy for us as people to go, oh, that's a aggressive horse. I don't like the way that horse treats other horses. But it's like, well, a horse is more like a mixed up kid. You just got to kind of maybe offer it some guidance, and hopefully that guidance will set it up to make better decisions uh, with us and also with the herd. So I just want to make that clear before I sort of go further into the to to, to maybe what to do. And I think everyone really should think about that how we. Uh, expose our horses to things when they're young, how clear boundaries are, are we bringing our boundaries to our horses all the time, how are we going to set them up to make good decisions if they didn't have a lot of time growing up in a herd and then later we're going to expose them to a herd. Have we set them up with the tools that they may need to survive comfortably in a herd or have we just made them uh, traumatic, spoiled um, horses or frightened traumatic horses that bring that fear and trauma to the other horses? You know, have we set them up really well? But anyway... For your horse, that's the that's the thing we want to sort of work on. So the reason I was linking it firstly to the backup is um, if you look at most horses, thoroughbreds I get that, that come to clinics, if you kind of put a bit of like worry in front of them or something like a flag, waved a flag in front of them or something like that, they go like this and they just kind of want to run off or they just freeze. Or But if, if you said, hey, rock back, they go, I don't know, I don't know how to withdraw. 
So, so um, when you do a backup lesson to eyes, like this is more of an eye thing. When a horse sees something, you can back off. So when you're around food, if you've got a food bucket and you say, hey, back off, the horse can back away. Uh, just uh, when they know that's available, it softens them up so much emotionally. Um, and I've seen aggressive horses suddenly go, oh, I was disem disempowered and, and all I knew was how to lunge. And, but now I know how to withdraw out of a situation. I can, I can do something different. So I think around people, especially like you talked about being around kids and things like that, um, you really want a horse that can just withdraw out of a situation, withdraw out of a horse float softly, um, you know, things like that. So there's just not this big lunging forward option when it gets angry or anxious or things like that. So something on the ground that you do is I just use, I would be completely neutral. I stand quietly. I don't chase him with my energy, but I'll just stand quietly and I'll just shake the flag in a way and just keep moving it around and shaking it till the horse actually goes, I'm going to back up. If the horse just runs off to the side, I'll just block it and say, try again, back up until I can put the flag anywhere around the horse's chest, up in the air, shake it, and the horse just goes, I'm just going to withdraw a bit. And you watch them. Once they can get that backward into their mind and body and they can withdraw out of worry, they just go, oh, thank God for that. And then they all of a sudden the worry in the flag is not so much worrying anymore and they don't get the hard, aggressive eye, like I've got to fight it because I'm backed in a corner because a lot of horses just fight things that they don't understand because they don't know they can just gently withdraw and, and, and create a distance from it. And I, and I guess that's the key too, um, before I go too far, is creating a distance. So basically uh, a lot of people push their energy into the horse and it, it kind of looks like the, ho the horse and the person are moving together. Uh, and I say, don't do it like that. Just shake the flag and when the horse withdraws itself, it's made, created a distance from the danger. And it knows that it can create a distance from what it's not too sure about. So instead of moving towards it with your energy and the flag and just backing it up, which, which is a lot of cases I see, and that keeps the horse worried. It says, I can't withdraw myself from this situation because the thing that's following me is not getting further away. So, so when you teach a horse to withdraw from a situation, you shake the flag and you stand dead quiet. And you could you could be I don't know drinking a glass of wine for all I care it wouldn't really matter it's not it's not between you and the horse it's just between the horse and 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 a, and a bit of a danger like a, something it sees threatening and you shake it and the horse just rocks back and you go good that's good uh, and then you'll be walking along and you'll stop and you'll shake the flag and the horse will just rock back and you just do that fifty thousand times just walking around with a lead rope on it give it enough room in the lead rope when you shake the flag you can rock back and you just stand quietly not even worried about much. Um, and the horse will start to realise that every time it's a bit concerned about something, it can withdraw in reverse. And you'd be surprised what that does, being able to back away from something that threatens them uh, or some sort of conflict and just go, oh, I've just done something for myself. And it didn't require fighting and it didn't require running off. Um, so for those horses, I've, I've seen a lot of softness in just being able to withdraw in reverse to get help them so one it's going to help you in the yards things like that the horse knows how to step back softly not be as pushy not just bring its anxiety right up and uh, over the top of the person because as i say that withdrawal is not available um so if, if you get that established that's that's going to help a lot and it's not personal as i said if you make it personal the horse will always stay with a hard eye and you'll have a hard thought and it'll be like me versus you and it's not me versus you it's just can you withdraw out of, of away from something you're not sure about um so going further then is if if the horse understands boundaries and it's not conflict between person and horse it 
and they've been taught that, then they start to recognize boundaries outside. So if you watch good horses in a herd, they they establish boundaries, but they're not constantly bringing their boundaries to other horses. It's usually the horses like the one you're talking about or the ones that have had traumatic experiences in the past. There's obviously still others out there that just, they've just been like that. You know, they, they're just an odd one and they've never had people do anything to them either. But um, they, they bring that trouble to the herd. And if there's a strong enough herd, that herd won't let them in. But sometimes... Half that herd's messed up horses as well. So, you know, like you go to an adjustment centre. Sometimes I see adjustment centre herds and I go, oh, crikey, this is like um, like a rehab centre. There's oh, there's the ex-standies and the ex-race horses and there's the broken down ex-performance dressage horse and there's the and it's the, it's the whole bunch of messed up horses that you go, wow, you know, no wonder they've got sort of different conflicts in this herd because they're all these horses that have had a hard life. So, yeah, so, so really be conscious of, of, of helping him in that situation, give him a good withdrawal from situations like that. And don't be personal. When it comes to the hind feet, you know, that problem around that hind feet, I think there's still fear there. So don't address it as he's being too belligerent. I'd say if 90% of horses I come across that they got a sticky hind foot. You just watch the angle of their eye and the shape of their eye when you walk past them and the tension down their side, and you'll see that there's still an area there that's never been fixed. So basically, um, good quality leading where you can stand still, lead them by and watch their eyes as they walk past you and, and until you can walk them backwards and forwards past you until their whole rib cage can pass you, till their hindquarter can pass you, and they look soft and they look happy. So once he's got a, a good withdrawal in the backup, you want good leading movement, so nice leading so he's soft and he can move around. And instead of you approaching him going down his side and making him feel like, oh, they're People are coming to me all the time and I've got to stand still and I get angry down that side because I'm frightened and I protect myself a bit. You stand still and you teach the horse to come to you and you say, you come down my side. I'm not, I can't reach your foot. You've got to walk past me so I can touch your hip and just stand completely neutral and get your horse to position itself in every single position that you need to pick up its feet from around you. There'll be a last little bit. You might have to take half a step if it's a long horse, but you can get the horse to do most of that where he's so like um, a joke I you know, because I've got a well, some people like my sense of humor, but some people just think it's pretty ordinary. But anyway, sometimes I just have to put up with it. But um, a lady moved the mounting block to a horse the other day, and I said, What's wrong with the mounting block? Is it, is it, is it, do you need to soften the mounting block, do you? And she goes, What do you mean? I said, Well, the mounting block's supposed to be braced, isn't it? You're not supposed to lead it to the horse. Um, mounting blocks are mounting blocks, they're supposed to be still and braced. Your horse needs to soften, so don't worry about educating the mounting block. And she's like, what? I said, yeah, well, you leading the mounting block over to the horse is educating the mounting block. Why don't you lead the horse to the mounting block um, and get the brace out of your horse because that's where the trouble is in the horse. And I wanted her to really think about every time she has an opportunity to educate a horse or educate a mounting block, uh, and that's the same as us. Like I might have a limp and I might have all these sort of ailments in my body from from, from years of horse riding and different things, but... I don't need to do yoga uh, around my horse. I'm trying to do my get my horse to do yoga around me. So I'll stand there with a brace and let the horse walk up and walk softly around me, come to me. And you see a lot of people getting exercise, handling their horses, walking from one side to the other around them, things like that. What's really good for those horses is why don't they just soften up and bring their thoughts around you, move around you while you stand there like the mounting block and just, you know, handle them. And then it empowers them so much more to be softer because you, you constantly have to get in and lead them you have to get them to soften you have to ask them a question so you're not just getting them better handled you're actually getting them softer and learning more things 
the more you stand a horse like a mounting block and go down their sides, the more they're learning to hold on to the brace and you're doing everything to soften yourself. So it's really something to think about, especially those those tight, angry horses uh, that get a bit angry around the hind legs. You do a bit of that and you'll be able to pick up their hind feet. But not only that, you'll be able to stand on a mounting block and they won't have any problems with the mounting block. Wonderful. All right, Mark, we'll leave it there. There's uh, plenty of um, thoughts for you, Larissa, to look into and hopefully get you off in the right direction. And, um, you know, don't give up. I'm sure you'll be able to make some some good changes there by doing just a few different things. Thank you very much, Mark. That was a fantastic Q&A session. I think everyone's going to appreciate it. If you enjoyed listening to this, please give us a thumbs up, share this podcast. It's, um, you know, so helpful if other people out there can hear Mark's gold nuggets and um, it, it really does help us to spread the word all right we'll see you again soon thank you thanks everybody thanks Jenny you can learn more from Mark and his approach online through his online training videos just search Mark Langley horsemanship join hundreds of others around the world making real progress fixing problems and improving their relationship with their horses there are now over 500 training videos. Make use of the seven-day free trial and take a look. Membership is just $15 a month and you get to ask Mark a question.